0: I want to ask you a question. Has anybody ever played the if? Okay, before I start that, I got to tell you a little bit more about me. About five or six years ago, I got Bell's palsy. Anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. A couple of yeah, half your face just goes paralyzes over overnight. Most people recover, but I'm special. So when I smile especially, I know some of you already are out there going, you know, this side of his face is kind of happy, but this side not so much. What's up with that? I'm not duplicitous. It's just kind of the lingering fun things of Bell's palsy. So when I say words like if, (laughs) that's kind of how it comes out. So has anybody ever played? And now some of you are saying, man, I I shook his hand this morning. (laughs) I'm going to, yeah, it's not contagious, don't worry. Okay, so back to the if-only game. Has anybody ever played the if-only game? It's kind of a silly game. You usually play at parties and stuff, and it's when somebody says, if only such-and-such were true, then such-and-such could happen. And it's supposed to be a silly game, so somebody will make some outlandish if-only thing. They'll say, like, uh, if only ducks could talk. And then somebody will say, then they could buy lipstick and say, put it on my bill. (laughs) Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, I I had to think long and hard about that one. And then somebody else will say, if only somebody would invent the fake noodle, then we could call it impasta. (laughs) Okay, that's that's all of those, I promise. But uh, before very long... Uh, the the if-only game typically takes kind of a little more serious turn, right, and people start saying stuff like, you know, the, that guy who will always say, yeah, if only we had a different president, then the globe would be utopia or whatever, you know, if only, if only Russia hadn't invaded Ukraine, then gas prices wouldn't be almost $5 right now, and it takes this kind of turn, you know, in that direction sometimes. And it's kind of a silly game. You guys, like I said, you might not have played the if-only game at a party because it's kind of silly. But I wonder this morning if some of you have maybe played the if-only game, kind of the solitaire version. And the solitaire version of if-only is kind of like when you think to yourself, if only I had not done that, then my life would be a little bit better. If only, you know, if only my marriage looked a little bit different, then I'd be really happy. If only my boss, you know, was not such a Then I'd be a little bit more content. If only I had more money, then I'd be happy. If only my health was like it used to be before I got bills palsy, before I was old. If only, if only, if only. And sometimes we play this if only game in our heads when nobody else is playing it with us. And I wonder this morning if maybe there's not something if-only going on in your head right now. In fact, if it's not, I just want to challenge you this morning Uh, you you can't win if you don't play. So just think in your own life right now, is there a situation in your life, it doesn't have to be something huge like some of the ones I mentioned, but maybe there's something in your life where you just wish, if only this was different, and it just seems like it's a wish because you feel like you really can't do anything to change that, okay? So right now, it's it's this next hour, right, Nick? An hour, 50, 60 minutes? Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be quite as meaningful if you don't think of something. So think in your mind, what's something that's going on in your life right now that if only this was different, and I, I, I've tried to make it different, but I just, I feel like there's no positive outcome that I can think of. So think, think of that right now, okay? This is not just for your neighbor. This is for all of us, okay? You got one in mind? Now keep that, keep that in mind. That's going to be important because uh, we're going to look at somebody in the Bible Uh, actually a bunch of somebody's in the Bible this morning who had a major if-only situation. Uh, And I'm praying that that their situation will kind of give us some hope for our if-only situation. So you really got to keep that if-only situation in your mind, okay? And the story is found in 2 Kings. If you have your Bible, you can follow along in that or you can follow it up along here on the screen if you get there, and it's when Israel, you may have heard of them, they were a divided nation, they were made up of Israel and Judah, and there was this neighboring country, nation of Moab, and the Moabites who lived in Moab were giving Israel a hard time, so the Israeli king got together with the Judean king, and they even wrangled in the Edomite king and the three kings got together with their armies and they're going to go out and attack the Moabites and teach them a lesson. So it's three nations against one and they're thinking, oh man, this is going to be an easy fight. We're going to slaughter those nasty Moabites. You just wait, you guys. And So off they march to get the Moabites. Okay, But like sometimes happens, maybe like in your if only situations, things didn't work out exactly as we'd hoped. That certainly happened to me. And instead of having this easy win that they thought of, on the way to the battle, you may have read this in Second Kings, they run out of water. So three armies marching along with their animals, their horses, their war horses, all this. They run out of water in the desert. And instead of having this easy win on the way to the battle, they're in dire straits. And so now these guys are thinking, man, if only we had brought more water. If only we had taken a different route, maybe by a river or a creek or something. If only there was a Walmart out here, we could (laughs) buy water or whatever. If only, if only, if only. And maybe a little bit, you can start to see the parallel between your if only situation and these guys' if only situation. In some metaphorical sense, maybe you feel like, I'm kind of in the desert without any water. So keep that in your mind, okay? You're in a situation you just can't, see any way out of. And so that's why we're going to look at these guys' situations. So we're going to see if I can get this to work. Is that right? Yeah, right. So here it is. It starts in 2 Kings uh, chapter 3 verse 9. It says, so the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. So that's their if-only situation, right? And then in verse 10, this is what happens. He says, what? Isn't that fun? Say that with me. What? Yeah, that's what he said. The king says, what? Exclaimed the king of Israel, Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? He's saying, What's up with this? And then uh, Jehoshaphat, that's the king of Judah, he asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? And an officer of the king of Israel, oh, so, there we go. Uh, 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 see, I knew I was getting okay. But Jehovah said, "Is there no prophet?" But who getting? Yeah, and then and then. Uh, oh, I gotta go back. This is so tough. And then Elisha, uh, the, an officer of the king of Israel, answered Elisha. You may have heard of him in the Bible in Sunday school. Son of Shaphat you know, Shaphat, he's cool, is here. He, he, Elisha, used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And if you're, you know, an Israelite right now, you're going, ooh, Elijah, he's somebody, you might remember a couple of years prior to this situation, uh, the, the nation called on Elijah to bring rain about, they had been in a drought forever. And so they're thinking now, well, if Elisha, Kind of mentored under Elijah, maybe Elisha can bring us some rain like Elijah did back in the day. So, in verse 12, read this Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him, Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, it's worth noting here that these three kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom, they, they weren't really following the Lord. Even though they just talked about God, they weren't really following him. They just kind of gave God lip service at that point. Sure, they talked about God. They probably had their regular seat in the church, you know, and watch out if somebody sits in your chair. Right? You ever had that happen? You come to church, it's like, excuse me, you're in my chair. Yeah, that was those guys. And and so you might know somebody like that who maybe is just kind of giving lip service. Maybe you see them in the mirror, but uh, but now they're in this if only situation, right? And and they do what a lot of us do when we get into one of those if only situations. It's like, oh. Oh, if only, Lord, you would help me. And I'm in my if-only situation. If only you'd help me. And all of a sudden, we're BFFs with God, right? Maybe you're like that. Maybe when I forced you this morning to kind of think of your if-only situation, you've been thinking about, yeah, I've already asked God about this a lot. Thanks for the reminder. Maybe it's like you today. Your if-only situation has made you a little bit more desperate for God. If so, that's a good thing. So hang with me. So somebody, I don't know, texts Elisha or something. Hey, Elisha, LOL, I don't know. You know, the kings want to talk to you. Elisha gets a text. He comes, and pretty soon Elisha's standing in front of the three kings of the three nations. And they say, Elisha, buddy, can you help us out? We need, we need some water. You know, your mentor Elijah got us water a long time ago. Can you, can you help us out? And then in verse 13, we read this. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. <laughs> so Elisha's like pulling off some pretty serious moxie, yeah, in front of these three kings with all his armies standing around him. And he knows these kings haven't been following God. So he kind of gives them an attitude. He even brings their mama into it. You know, <laughs> you need some help? Go talk to your mama's prophets, you know. Why are you coming to me? Right? So Elisha's got this attitude. <laughs> and uh, But maybe, maybe, I don't know. I wasn't Maybe Elisha's primary goal wasn't just to, you know, rub it in their faces, make fun of their mamas. Maybe, I wonder, if he said it more to test their faith a little bit, to see where they were in their heart, in their attitude towards God. And maybe to see if they're really serious, really serious about asking God for help or if it was just more lip service to God. Well, let's try Elisha. We can't do anything else. Maybe, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit is doing the same thing in your heart right now. Maybe he's bringing you this sermon from this knucklehead, crooked-faced guy to <laughs> let the Holy Spirit said, are you really serious about asking for God's help? I don't know. It's possible. Well, it seems the king passed this test of Elisha's because we can read their response to his question there in 13b, where it says, the king of Israel answered, no, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hand of Moab. So that's showing some humility in this guy, especially for somebody who's kind of turned his back on God. Either it's true humility or he's uh, you know trying to pull a fast one on Elisha, which you think it'd be kind of hard, Elisha being a prophet of God and all. And uh, Elisha recognizes, I think, that this king is actually legitimately repentant. So he recognizes the mess that they're in and God is really the only answer in this situation. So in verse 15, Elisha kind of makes this interesting demand. He says, but now bring me a harpist. (laughs) Evidently, Elisha needed some mood music or something to hear from God. I don't know. But maybe the kings are thinking, okay, that's cool. Bring him a harpist. Uh, Elisha's going to do like a, a rain dance or something, you know, and bring some rain to us. And, and you know, they don't know what's going on. That's going to be cool. This is going to be good. But instead, we read this in uh, verse 15. It says, It happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, Elisha. And Elisha said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches <laughs> and the kings are like what the second time say it with me it's fun what yeah it's fun the kings are freaking out right you okay maybe you don't understand the situation we're dying of thirst we're in the desert the animals are keeling over you want us to go do manual labor out in the hot sun with what our swords it's not like we all brought shovels and Elisha says, yeah, that's, that's right. You asked me to talk to God, this is what God said to do. And if you're one of the, thing, the three kings out there, you're thinking your if-only situation got a whole lot more iffy right now. You know, I got egg in my face, I've asked this Elijah guy, and he didn't do a rain dance, he says, go dig some holes. And maybe that's like you today. Maybe you've asked God before, God, what do you want me to do about the situation? And God says... Dig some ditches. Do this first. (laughs) Maybe if you're like these kings and like me, you're like, what? Because that's just crazy talk. So while they're standing there in disbelief, you know, their faces drooping, their dry mouths, you know, we can't get anything. Elisha goes on to say this in verse 17 For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. It just keeps getting crazier. No rain, and we're gonna see this valley filled with water. How's that? going to happen? And Elisha, what have you and that harpist been smoking over there and, you know, off to the side there? How are you going to get water without rain? And maybe about now they're all thinking, if only we had a different prophet, (laughs) you know, is there any other prophet? Out there, but then Elisha really drives it home. You got to love Elisha, and this is one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible. Maybe it will be for you. If you don't get anything else today, uh, get this. This is this is God's answer, I believe, to your as well as these guys' if only situation. Elisha says that God was going to bring water without any rain, and then he says this. He says this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Guys, God can do this without even breaking a sweat. He this this is no big deal for him. Water for their troops without rain, no problem. God can pull this off. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And you guys, you know your if-only situation that I hope you're still thinking of, right? Elisha's got something to say to you this morning. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Do you believe that? Say that with me. It's fun to say. Come on. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Now, some of you right now, there's a contrary contradiction going on. There's some uh, going on in your mind right now because it's not like, Kent, it's not like I haven't prayed about this before. And the God that this is an easy thing hasn't done anything about it. So either he hates me or it isn't an easy thing for him. And I get that because I've been there. I've had if only situations where I'm like, hello hello my prayers bouncing off the ceiling maybe you're like that this morning but Elisha says this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord to bring water but first I want you to dig ditches you want to know how you can tell if you really believe this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. You want to know how you can tell that? Because we say we're in church, right? We say, sure, I believe that. God can do anything, right? That's easy. You know how you can really tell if you really believe that? It's if you act on it before God gets you out of that if only situation. It's if you take that step of faith and dig that ditch before God shows up. And that's typically what prevents the water in our lives from flowing. It's not our God who wants to bless us richly, incredibly, and give us an abundant life. It's us not wanting to take that first step or dig that ditch and sweat and toil out in the hot desert sun because God told us something crazy. You know, when you're dying of thirst out in the desert and you need some water, we've just got to remember that only God can send the water. But sometimes he wants us to dig a ditch first. Sometimes he gives us something that he wants us to do first. Let me ask you something about this situation here. I hope you're still thinking about your earth only situation. Let's go back to Elisha's situation. Do you think God really needed those soldiers to dig ditches because he couldn't pull that off on his own? Of course not. You think God's up there talking to his angels? Ooh, gosh, I hope those soldiers are good ditch diggers because there's no way I could pull that off without their help. No, God can do anything. Do you think God really needs your help to dig that ditch that's probably popped into your mind, I'm hoping, courtesy of the Holy Spirit by now? Do you think God really needs your help to pull that off in your life? No, sometimes God wants us to act in faith first. God was saying, you show me your faith in action and I'll show you my faithfulness. Because sometimes it's really not faith until we begin acting on what God promises before we have it. God loves to see that kind of faith. And I just believe there's just too many of us in the church these days who've been waiting for God to do something about our if only situation. And we've been praying about it and we've been waiting and we could justify it, we say, well, I have been doing something, I've been praying about it, but God has asked us to physically act on that. And we're not digging ditches. Even though probably that still small voice in the back of our head has said, maybe you should do this first. For example, maybe God has been asking you, uh, you know, about this relationship that's broken in your life, because they legitimately did something that is so hard to forgive. And maybe you've heard a sermon, or maybe you read the Bible, or maybe you just know it in your heart of hearts that, you know, maybe the ditch God's asking me to dig is to forgive them, even though they haven't asked me for it, and treat them like they did ask me to forgive them. And once we do that obeying his God's command to forgive like he forgave us then the healing comes then the spiritual nourishing water comes maybe you're struggling with an addiction or something that's affecting your relationship affecting your psyche affecting your self-esteem your self-worth your righteousness your thoughts of purity and and you've prayed to God and you've asked him, and it just seems like this thing's got my number and I cannot lick this thing and I'll, I'll have a, a good period for a while and then I'll fall back into that. And, I, and you know, it's like, oh man, here I am again. And you've prayed about it and you ask God and just again and again and again, it seems like maybe God this morning is asking you to take some radical ditch digging step to get rid of anything that could help you fall into that trap again. Throw it out burn it get a dumb phone do whatever it takes get radical disconnect the tv get rid of your tv altogether don't watch the news anymore it gets me so i hope you're not watching the news but if you know take some radical steps maybe that's the ditch that god's asking you to dig this morning i don't know or maybe maybe you've been hooking up with somebody who's not your uh, your spouse and uh, you want God to bless that relationship. And then you read something the Bible says, no, actually, uh, you're not supposed to play house until you get married. And, but I love him. I love her so much. I want this to work out. And, and God's asking you to dig that ditch first of moving out and stop shacking up until you get married. And it's so hard. And you're saying, certainly God doesn't want us to split up. It's the soulmate. It's the love of my life. I don't know. Maybe the Spirit's talking to you about it this morning. Maybe it's, it's financial. And you know I'm supposed to be given part. I watch these uh, shoebox things. You know, my sister works for Samaritan's Purse. She's got to deliver some of these shoeboxes for Samaritan's Purse. And, and you know, shoebox is one thing, but like the 10% deal, for every paycheck, that's a little bit greater step. And maybe, God, you make me rich first, and then I'll start doing this. And maybe God's saying, you, you tithe, just start with 10% first, and then watch the financial blessings come in. I don't know what your if-only situation is, but maybe God is asking you to dig a ditch this morning, and then he'll send the rain into your if-only situation. Are you willing To start digging, even this morning, even to act on faith. Well, guess what? You know, maybe this is God's first ditch that he wants you to dig. Is this revelation that I need to act on this. I need to do something about this. Maybe that's God's prompting you that he wants you to take that first step. What's preventing you from digging that ditch this morning? And the cold, cruel answer is puny faith. Lack of faith. But the answer is, I don't really believe God will come through. And that hurts, because we're here in church and we're all smelling nice and looking pretty. And But that, for me, that's what it is for me. When I don't act when God wants me to act, it's bottom line. It's lack of faith. You can say, well, can't it's just laziness or just human nature. Yeah, it's lack of faith. Because if I really believed it, I'd do it. Why? Because I'm smart. If I believe God's going to bless me, of course I'm going to do that. It's not gambling. It's called faith, right? If somebody says, you do this, I'll give you $100. I'm not sure if you, okay, I'm going to lay it on the table. It's yours. It really is here. It's in a contract. I'm going to sign it. Okay, I'll do that thing. A hundred bucks. There you go. That's, when God asks us to do something, typically it's for lack of faith. And what about these dying of thirst Israeli soldiers? We get back to them. They decided to trust God, to show some faith in God. They started digging ditches all over the valley floor in the hot desert sun before they saw a drop of water. And what was the outcome of that faith in action? It's actually pretty cool. In 3 Kings 3, oh, okay, you already saw that. Uh, The next morning, the next morning it says, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. Woohoo! Those soldiers, they dug these ditches where in the hot desert sun and those ditches are now the receptacles of God's miraculous flash flood that if there were no dishes, it would have just washed right by and then it would have waved goodbye to the water, right? But now they can feed their drink, the animals can drink and they can drink. God did this impossible for them, but easy for him thing right in front of their eyes and they were saved. And they that's worthy of way to go God that's not just Old Testament stuff right I heard a testimony this morning Nick can tell you about it God does things and we can say oh what a cool coincidence I think I like to call them coincigods where God shows up in kind of Old Testament ways right it's like that's just too coincidental that's that's God intervening what ditch maybe is God asking you to dig this morning you know, centuries later, Jesus' brother, James, wrote, you might remember this, he said, faith without works is what? It's dead. So this isn't just Old Testament Elijah's stuff. This is New Testament stuff where Jesus says, show me your faith in action." I so want to bless you. I so want to heal you. I so want to bring you this water. And it's not a works faith, okay? We're not talking salvation that if you're righteous enough, if you pray enough, if you do something enough, then I'll save you and you can go to heaven for all of eternity. That's not what we're talking about here. It could be because if the Spirit is talking to you right now and you don't know personally that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that he's forgiven you of your sins... You might need to receive that gift. And in a sense, that's a step of faith. That's showing an action. I'm going to receive that gift, even though I didn't do anything to deserve that. I can receive that. So even receiving that is kind of like digging a ditch. But mostly I'm talking this morning, what is your if-only situation that God maybe wants you to do something about first? What ditch is God asking you to dig this morning? That's the question. Why don't we pray and just ask them that right now. Would you pray with me, please? As the worship team comes forward, God, we ask you to speak to us in the silence of this moment. And I believe, God, that you've been speaking to us already, that your spirit has been whispering in our ears through your word. God, we thank you. For your word. I thank you that you speak to us through it if we will listen. And God, I believe that your spirit's spoken to us this morning, each of us, God, about situations in our lives, these if only situations that we just don't see any positive way out of. And I believe your spirit is maybe made us see ourselves in this Israeli soldier situation who had just absolutely no help outside of your intervention. But Lord, I also believe that your spirit has maybe pricked our hearts a little bit and pricked our minds about something that you want us to do first to show us that we're serious about our faith in you. And maybe like those thirsty soldiers in the desert, God, our, our first reaction is, is not one of enthusiasm to your spirit uh, speaking to us this morning, uh, to start digging that ditch. Because what you're asking us to do, God, maybe to us makes no more sense than digging ditches when I'm dying of thirst. Maybe, maybe Lord, we've known for a long time what it is that we need to do for you, Lord. Which ditch it is that you want us to dig. But we've been reluctant to do so because it just doesn't make any sense to us any more than digging ditches in the desert. But God, I pray that you'd help us remember that no matter how hopeless, how ridiculous this ditch-digging thing sounds, how impossible our if-only situation may seem, God, help us remember this morning that this is an easy thing in your eyes increase our faith this morning, Father. So we'll be willing to do whatever it is that you've called us to do in order to receive those showers of blessings that you so desperately want to send us, God. God, grant us the will, grant us the strength, the resolve, the faith to dig that ditch first and wait patiently on your response. And Father, I pray as we spoke of earlier that If there's anybody here that as I speak of you, God, blessing us, as I speak of your Son forgiving us for our sins, I pray if there's anyone here who is not just rock solid assured in their hearts that their sins have been forgiven by Jesus, I pray that right now you'd prompt them to say this morning, I want you to dig that ditch and say yes to my free gift of eternal salvation from your sins by no righteousness of your own. I'm not asking you to clean up your act and then come receive this gift. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would so prompt anyone here who does not know you for sure as their savior that right now, even in the quietness of this moment, they'd say, Jesus, I don't understand everything, but I believe that you were God's son. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe if I believe that, and turn from my sins, and follow you the best I can for the rest of my life, that you'll forgive me of my sins, and I will spend eternity with you in paradise. God, I pray that even that simple prayer could be the prayer of someone this morning. And Jesus, we praise you and thank you. We have sung songs to you this morning. We've read from your word. And I pray now, God, that if there's anyone here this morning that has felt that spirit prompt them to act on their faith. Maybe this time is the first step. Maybe they would even come forward and join the prayer team down here and just say, just pray with me that I will have the boldness, the courage, the discipline, the obedience to take that first step. Maybe that's the first step this morning to come forward and be prayed for, to be bolstered and encouraged to do just that. Jesus, we love you this morning. Again, God, Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that your spirit would have its way at this moment in this service, this worship time for you, Jesus. We love you. Pray this in your name. Amen.